Well, good morning, everyone. If you would open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Seek his blessing. Our Father, we come into thy courts this morning with hearts that are full of thanksgiving. Oh, how thankful we are for your mercy and your grace that you have reserved for your people in our Lord Jesus Christ. That it enables sinners such as we are to come before your throne of grace accepted and to call you our Father. How thankful we are. And Father, I beg of you this morning that you would give us the spirit of worship. That you would enable us to not just go through the motions of religion, but to truly worship thee from the heart. Enable us to worship. Enable us to hear a word from you, from your heart to our heart, a word that glorifies our Lord Jesus Christ so that your people would be enabled to see him with the eye of faith and in awe and wonder bowed his feet. Father, we thank you for the many, many blessings of this life. How richly you have blessed this congregation materially and especially spiritually, how you've blessed us, how you've kept your gospel here for so, so many years. Father, we're thankful. And Father, I pray that you would not allow us to get off on a tangent, that you'd keep our, our focus on Christ and him crucified. Father, we pray for the sick and, and the hurting of our number, your people, those that we know of and those that we don't, Father, that you'd be with them as you brought them into a, a particular time of trouble and trial. Father, we pray that you'd heal, that you'd comfort. We pray you'd give them a fulfillment of your promise, that you your grace is sufficient, that you'll not leave and forsake your people. We pray a special blessing for our brother Cecil and his whole family at this time, Father, that you be with them in a, in a mighty and special way. Now, Father, all these things we ask and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now I have titled our lesson this morning, The Gift of a Pastor. And I want to be sure that... Um, that this comes across right, that it doesn't sound in any way self-serving. And I don't want it to sound self-serving because it's not. I don't want it to be self-serving. But one of the gifts that God has given his church on earth is pastors. Verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 4 says, Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. In the last couple of weeks we've looked at the spiritual gifts that he's given to all of his people. And now, if you skip that parenthetical phrase there, beginning in verse 9, he picks up in verse 11 talking about the gift of pastors that God has given his church on earth. Now, it's important to remember this, that the gift is not the pastor himself. The pastor is a sinner just like everybody else. He's needy just like everybody else. He needs God's grace. He needs, he needs God just in every way, just as much as anybody else. The gift that Paul's talking about here is what the Lord uses the pastor to do for his people. That's the gift. It's the function that the pastor performs for the church. And this thing, it's not just a commodity. It's a relationship. 
It really is a relationship. The local church. How many preachers and pastors and teachers do you know from all over the place? Many, don't you? Many. And, you know, much of that is by design. I invite as many different men as I know who faithfully preach the gospel. I invite them here to preach because I want you to know them. I mean, you know, that's good for us. We know many preachers, many different pastors. But the local church has one pastor. Has one pastor that God has raised up to teach and to preach and to lead that congregation. And no other. No other. Just that one congregation. Now hold your finger there. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this thing, it's a special relationship. That's a gift from God to his, to his church. Second Thess, or for, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two. Verse five. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor cloak of covetousness. God is witness. We're not trying to get anything from you. God is witness. Nor men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others. When we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we are willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only. I mean, that's certainly true, the gospel of God, primarily the gospel of God, but not the gospel only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Now that's the relationship that God's pastor has with the, with the sheep that God's given him to lead and to, and to preach to. And a pastor who has that kind of attitude, that kind of heart, that kind of commitment. Now that's a blessing to God's church. And in our text, Paul tells us what the job, what the function of the pastor is for God's church. He says in verse 11, he gave some apostles. Now an apostle was a man who was selected by God. Who was, who was taught the gospel directly from the Lord Jesus Christ in person. Apostle could perform miracles. And they did that not so it was a party trick, but so that people would know this man has to be from God. He has a message from God. This tells me I ought to listen to him. The Lord inspired the apostles to write the New Testament scriptures. Now that's a gift, isn't it? To have the scriptures, the Lord used these men to write the scriptures. That's a gift. But he gave some apostles. He hadn't given the gift of apostles to us. There are, there are no more apostles anymore. There, there ne- and there never will be. They fulfilled their ministry and we don't have them anymore. And that's all right. Because they fulfilled their ministry. They've completed the word of God to show us Christ. We don't have apostles anymore, but we have what the Holy Spirit inspired them to write. And that's more important. The end, Paul says, he gave some prophets. Now, a prophet is an interpreter. He's an orator of hidden things. Hidden secret things that that God hadn't revealed to anybody else but the prophet. A prophet was a man who was moved by the Holy Spirit to interpret the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament scriptures, and he could foretell certain events, some, some of the future. That's what the Old Testament prophets were, weren't they? When they wrote of Christ, they're foretelling future events. They're foretelling how Christ is going to come. They Isaiah told so clearly of his birth, of his life, of his work, of his death, of his resurrection. Those were things that would happen in the future. 
Isaiah wrote of them so that the, the Old Testament believers would look forward to Christ's coming. And so that we'd recognize him when he did come. Now that's a very helpful gift to God's church, isn't it? To have them identify this is the Savior who's coming. Here he is in type and picture and in promise. That's a very helpful gift. But now God hadn't given the gift of prophets to us. Just like the apostles, there's no more prophets today. There's no more prophets today because we don't need them. It's okay that we don't have prophets. We, we, we don't need them. They fulfilled the ministry that God gave them to do. They've completed the word of God. Under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they've completed the word of God to show Christ to us. We don't need a prophet. We got something better. We got the completed word of God. Then Paul says he gave to some evangelists. Now an evangelist is a traveling missionary like Timothy or Titus, Walter Groover, Moose Parks. These men were missionaries. They'd travel around and, and go to these foreign places and preach the gospel there. But you know, and we stand in awe of those men, don't we? I do. I, I stand in awe of those men, what the Lord's used them to do and what he laid upon their heart to do. But you know, there is a sense in which every believer is an evangelist. Every believer has the opportunity to travel in your sphere of influence in your life and tell people about Christ. It could be in the home. I mean, can you think of a person more influential in a home than a mother who can teach her children the scriptures? I can't think of one. I mean, just what a, what a sphere. Maybe, maybe it's not a traveling missionary, but... Well, you've got a mission there, don't you? Um, how about people on the job? People you know out in the community to, to tell people about Christ and, and maybe think, well, I, I don't feel like, I feel like I'd mess that up. But, well, you can give them a bulletin. You can invite them to come hear the gospel, can't you? That, in, in that sense, every believer is an evangelist. Then Paul says he gave some pastors and teachers. Now here is one the Lord has given us in this day, pastors and teachers. Now there are some pastors, there are some teachers in the church. Here I am teaching here this morning. We got other teachers teaching our children this morning. There's pastors and teachers. Sometimes it's two different offices. But the pastor, he's always a pastor and a teacher. Always. The word pastor that Paul uses here means a herdsman. Or a shepherd. A pastor is to care for the sheep that God's given him to care for. He's to rule the church for the good of the sheep, for their good. And here's how he rules. It's not with a, with an iron rod. The pastor rules the church by preaching the gospel, by preaching Christ and teaching God's word. That's why we go line by line through these different epistles, through these different um, books of, of the Bible, so that we are taught line by line, precept upon precept, the word of God. That's how the pastor rules the church. And that's why I say every pastor is a teacher. He teaches God's word. Now I'm going to tell you, no man is sufficient for these things. No man. The only way that a man can shepherd God's people the only way he can, can teach them the word of God is if the Holy Spirit calls him to the work. He calls him to the work. He gives him the ability to do the job. And he calls him to a particular place. 
to a particular people. And he'll sell out to do it. He'll sell out to preach to those people, to be the pastor of those people. Now, Paul tells us specifically, here is the job of a pastor. Here's why this is a, is a, is a blessing and a gift to God's church. This is why God gives pastors. Number one is so that God's elect are made complete. He says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. That's why God's given pastors, for the perfecting of the saints. And that word perfecting means complete. It means furnishing. It means equipping. God's elect are incomplete in themselves. We're not what God requires us to be. I don't think there's one person in this room who would claim you are what God requires you to be. Now, I don't think there's one. Well, that means we're incomplete, doesn't it? We're not what God requires us to be. The pastor's job is to preach. We're complete in Christ. That's how we're complete. Christ is all we need. The job of the pastor is equipping. The job of the pastor is to be sure God's sheep are equipped with what they need. We need to be restored to Christ. Adam cut us off from God. We need to be restored to Christ. Well, the only way we can know how we'll be restored to God is by the preaching of Christ. We need faith in Christ. I mean, if I would be saved, I must be equipped with faith in Christ. God's got to give it to me. Well, the only way faith is going to come is by preaching Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be taught what the word of God means. I don't know by nature what the word of God means. I need to be equipped with that knowledge. Well, you know how the only way we can know what the word of God means? It's by the consistent preaching of Christ. Maybe we'll finally learn every book, every chapter, every sentence, every semicolon, every everything, it's all Christ. If we finally learn that, we'll know what the word of God means. I need to be taught how to walk in this world. How do, how's a believer supposed to walk in this world? How's a believer supposed to conduct himself in this world without being self-righteous? Now, how am, I, how am I supposed to do that? The only way I can be equipped with that knowledge is by the consistent preaching of Christ. If I finally learn it's all Christ, and I learn to look to Christ, not, not look to the law, not look to my faith, not look to my conduct, not look to my morality, and I finally learn to look to Christ, my walk is going to be just fine. Because I'll be following him. And God's people, God's sheep, they need comfort. They need comfort in, in trials and in, in afflictions in this world that our Savior has promised is going to come to every last one of us. God's sheep are going to be so tired and weary that they can't go on. They need to be strengthened. They need help. How's that going to happen? By hearing the preaching of Christ. Only Christ and Christ all the time. That's why God gives us pastors. If he pre if, the, if that pastor will be enabled by God to preach Christ and Christ only, we'll be complete. Number two, God gives us pastors for the work of the ministry. He says in verse 12, for the work of the ministry. And I'm not poor-mouthing when I say this. This is just a fact. The job of a pastor 
is the worst, best job a man can ever have. <laughs> if it's done right, it's hard work. I mean, it's hard work. It's a consuming work. It's hard work in prayer. I mean, you, you, you think you can just, just crack this book open and, and, and come up, you know, with God's message with, then you just open up this book. So yeah, I know what this means. It's hard work in prayer. Uh, it's, it's hard work in, in seeking God's message for God's people in this hour. I mean, I've been around the gospel as long as I can remember. I mean, as long as my far back as my, my memory can go. And I'll be in the study and come out and Jan will say, well, how's it going? And I say, well, I see, you know, some, some true things here, but I don't have a message yet. And she said, well, I don't understand what that means. She said, that's preacher talk. I don't understand what that means. But it's hard work. It's hard work. It, it, it's hard work to keep being faithful, to stay in that study, work on a message when nobody's looking. You know, always, whenever I, um, before I became the pastor, I worked out in warehouses and in different places. Well, you know, your boss is always going to be kind of coming around and seeing you. He's going to know if you're working or not. Nobody knows if I'm working or not. I mean, you might figure out if I didn't work when I show up Sunday and don't really, you know, have anything that makes any sense. But, you know, that, that's hard work to keep doing that. And Paul told the church at Thessalonica, esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake. Now, it, it's hard work. But that's what God past, God's pastors do. And here's why. The word that Paul uses means the service of those who prepare and present food. It's like a cook and a waiter down at the restaurant. That's what the job of a pastor is. The work of the ministry is to seek out and prepare and present God's message for his people in this hour. Whatever the pastor prepares in the study, that's what the sheep are going to eat. Now I'm telling you, it had better be good, true, nutritious preaching of Christ. If not, God's sheep are going to suffer. They're going to suffer. I've seen it happen so many times. I, just trust me, I've seen it happen. The congregation suffers for it every time. The work of the ministry, it, it, it's hard work. It, it's, uh, it's very important for, for the feeding, the edification of God's sheep. How are they going to grow if, if they're not fed? And you know, it, it's hard emotional work too. Paul called it the care of the churches. He said, on top of everything else, I've got the care of all these churches. And it's a burden. It's a burden to, to care for you all. It's, it's a burden I gladly accept. I gladly take on. But it's a burden. Brother Henry told me this, and I always remembered it, and then years later I thought, I know exactly what, what he was saying now. He told me this, though. He said when our, my, my girls were 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, 
He said, whatever happens to your girls happens to you, doesn't it? Every heartache that they have is your heartache. Every tear they shed is your tear. I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, I have that times 300. I'm telling you, that made me appreciate him all the more. <laughs> oh my, how much I appreciate it. Now you can't know that unless God's given you that responsibility, but if that care, that heartfelt care is not there, how can a man be effective? But if it is, if that heartfelt care is there, that, that's a gift from God, isn't it? Then thirdly, God gives us pastors, Paul says in verse 12, for the, at the end of the verse, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that word edifying means building up. And that's what I was saying a minute ago. God's people are built up by the pastor preparing and giving them a message that's all Christ. And here's how we're, we're built up in Christ. You, you kind of think of that mean, means being made stronger and, you know, I can stand on my own. The way we're built up in Christ is by being made more dependent on Christ. We're built up in Christ by having a lower, 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 lower estimation of ourselves and a higher estimation of Christ. Now, how's that going to happen? By the faithful preaching of Christ. Oh, I'll see myself as low. I'll be like um, Isaiah. I'll see myself as low once I see Christ high and lifted up. Huh? You know, our children will not be physically built up and grow and mature physically the way that they should if all we feed them is junk food. Well, the same thing's true spiritually. You can't just go, you know, skipping over, skimming over, you know, the word of God and expect that to be a blessing to God's people. You got to get in there and prepare that food. You got to get in there and dig it out. Well, it's a gift from God if he gives us a man who's equipped to do that job in it. Then fourth, God gives us pastors for the unity of his people. He says in verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now that word unity means agreement. Now I know we're, we're all not going to agree on every little thing. But every believer does agree on this. Every believer agrees on Christ. Every believer agrees in his sin atoning blood in his righteousness, being the only righteousness that there is. Every believer believes redemption is all in Christ alone. Every believer believes that. Every believer believes the same thing because there's only one thing to believe. There's not many things to believe. There's one thing to believe. It's Christ. There's one thing to believe. Every believer believes the same thing about how God saves sinners. It's all Christ. And you know how we'll all agree on that one thing? Is that the pastor doesn't get off on a tangent and only preaches Christ. Now I'll say this about unity. When I said unity, probably what first popped into your mind was not what the word means, agreement, was it? You, when I read that word unity, you thought about you know agreement and we're not fussing and fighting with each other. Well, let me say this about unity in that way. If we all agree on the preeminence of Christ, all those other differences won't matter. And there'll be unity. <laughs> See that? 
Number five, God gives us pastors so that we'll know Christ. Do we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God? Now, this is another way for Paul to say God gave people pastors so that his people will be given saving faith in Christ. Remember what our Lord said in John chapter 17? This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. If we know Christ, we'll believe on him. To, to, to know Christ is to believe on him. If you know Christ, if you know the Son of God, you believe on him. But how can we believe in somebody we don't know? How can we believe in somebody we've never heard of? We can't, can we? Well, the job of the pastor is to preach Christ so we'll know him. So we'll know him and believe on him. Number six, God gives us pastors so we grow and mature in the faith. In verse 17, he says, unto a perfect man. And that word perfect, it means full grown. It means mature and it means wanting nothing necessary for completeness. Now, the more we hear of Christ, the more we'll grow and the more we'll mature. But that takes time. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And it's going to take not just calendar time. It's going to take some time well spent. It's going to take some time sitting under a man who constantly preaches only Christ. That's how God's people grow and mature. One of the best pieces of advice that I got when I became the pastor here was this. Deal honestly with the word of God. Just deal honestly with the word of God and God's people will prosper. That's what Paul's saying here. It's not surprising, on the other hand, to see believers who do not regularly sit under a pastor. For whatever reason, they don't do it. You know, for whatever reason. There could be a million reasons. For whatever reason, they don't. And it's not surprising to see them be immature in the faith. You, you can't get that from listening online. It just doesn't come that way. The only way we can be complete and mature is in Christ. And that takes somebody preaching Christ to us. That's the pastor's job. Then number seven, God gives us pastors to preach nothing but Christ all the way to the end of time. At the end of verse 13, he says, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God's pastors are to keep preaching Christ until the whole mystical body of Christ is complete. Until they're all together at one time. And that's not going to happen till we're all in glory. And then preaching will be no more. We won't need somebody preaching Christ because we're all going to see him face to face. We're all going to be worshiping him face to face. But until then, we're to preach Christ. Until then, we're to preach Christ. That's the pastor's only job. You see the pattern here? (laughs) The pastor's only job is to preach Christ. That will fit every need God's people need. What else could be more important? What else could be more important than the preaching of Christ? And until... 
We're all together in glory. Here's something else that will help the, the church of God. The whole church on earth will function well together like a body functioning well together. And you, you know how that will happen? If we're determined to preach Christ to our generation. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, how's the body of Christ? How are our, our believers with, you know, still in sinful bodies, still carrying around a sinful nature? How are they going to all function well together as one unit, like as one well-functioning body? How are they going to grow together in love? It's by the preaching of Christ. That's the only thing that'll get the job done. And that's the pastor's job. And if that happens, boy, that's a gift. That's a blessing to the church, isn't it? Then number eight, God gives us pastors so we'll be established. Established in the faith. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Oh my goodness, the dangers that are all around us, that are in us and and around us from the sin in this world to deceive us and pull us away from Christ. To try to take our attention. This is Satan's goal. It's to do anything he can to get your focus off Christ and to get you trusting anything other than Christ alone. Now, his goal is to deceive just exactly the way he deceived Eve. Well, a babe in Christ can be easily fooled. A babe in Christ can be easily deceived because they think, oh, well, that sounds good. That sounds real good and religious. And it grabs their attention and off they run after it, right? You all know I have a, a new grandson, three months old. And you know an amazing thing about this kid? He's so easily distracted. Janet bought this little spinning thing. He can be crying and all upset. And just anything shiny, anything spinning just gets his attention. You just spin that thing. And, you know, normally, unless something's real bad wrong, he'll quit crying. Just so, you know, and then, boy, you spin another one over here and he'll look over there, you know. That's a babe in Christ. So easily distracted. So easily deceived. By a little religious spinner. The job of the pastor. Is to keep us focused on Christ. So that we'll learn a little bit. And we'll be established. And these shiny. Spinning religious toys. Won't take our attention from Christ. A babe in Christ is likened to tall grass. Boy it'll blow this way and that. With the slightest breeze won't it. That's a babe in Christ. The slightest breeze can blow them off course. The job of the pastor is to keep preaching Christ. Just keep plowing, keep planting, keep weeding, keep preaching Christ so that we finally grow to be like that tree. The tree of righteousness planted by the the, the living waters that David talked about that will not be easily moved like the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. And then a child can be easily deceived by tall stories. 
I've got a bunch of tall stories. I built them up over the years, telling them my girls. Now, they know all my tall stories. Well, you know who's going to hear them next, don't you? And I'm going to deceive him. I'm going to trick him. I'm going to, I'm going to have so much fun telling all these tall stories. That's a babe in Christ who hears these tall stories. Oh, now they're wrapped in religion. They sound, you know, got, but a, got a bunch of religious words in them. Told by a false prophet who can easily deceive that babe in Christ. The job of the pastor is to preach Christ and him crucified only. All the time, every message, so maybe we'll finally learn the difference between the gospel and a crafty lie and won't be deceived. Here's the last one, and you can't end without this one. The job of the pastor is to speak the truth in love. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Now God's people need to grow in Christ. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been trusting Christ. Every believer needs to grow. We need to grow in Christ. Paul says we need to grow into Christ. We need to grow more dependent on Christ so that we trust him more. And again, I'm trying to sound like a broken record here. The only way that can happen is by the preaching of the truth. Now, not preaching true statements. You've heard preachers preach true statements and didn't get a blessing from it, didn't you? You can't, you, well, I can't say anything he did wrong. I can't put my finger on it, but that wasn't a blessing. There's a difference between true statements and the truth. The truth of Christ. But now listen, nobody's going to grow up right if we're always beating them up with the truth. The gospel can only be preached in love. We preach the truth in love. Now we never compromise, never bend on the truth of Christ. But do it in love. Do it in love. And Brother Chris Cunningham will hate that I use this as an example, but I watched his, the message, the funeral message he preached for Brother Deep Harps. And I thought the Lord gave Chris something very, very good and very, very wise. He'd lay out the gospel. I mean, you know, Chris, unbending, un, I mean, use no mistake in what the man was saying. And then he'd say, if you don't believe that, I'm not mad at you. I just want you to know the truth. And I thought, that's preaching. That's pre, that's, people can't be taught the love of Christ if we're beating them with the steel rod of the truth. You see that, don't you? God's pastor preaches the love, preaches the gospel in love. By God's grace, this is true. I love Christ. I do. By God's grace, I know I only love him because he first loved me, but I do love him. And I, since I love him, I want him to be glorified. I want him to be exalted and I want him to be worshipped. That's why I preach the gospel. That's why I preach Christ because I love him. And I love you. I don't want to be overly emotional but I love you. I love believers everywhere I go. This is different. Maybe that, I don't know. I, I hope I'm not saying something wrong, but it's just the truth. This is different. This is different. 
I care deeply whether or not you believe Christ. I mean, deeply I care. That's why I only preach Christ to you. Now, whatever God uses to point us to Christ like that, so we believe on it. That's a gift from God. All right, I hope that'll be a blessing to you and helpful.